So I'm going to read this article and it's called Tulsa's Black Wall Street Flourished as a Self-Contained Hub in the Early 1900s by the History Channel. This was updated January 2nd, 2020. Okay. I'm going to talk about this because a lot of blacks don't know or African-Americans don't know that we had our own economic um, resources banks um, you know if you wanted to borrow money you could if you wanted to start your own business these brothers and sisters had that back then you know I, I know they don't teach this in these um, Eurocentric schools that blacks were just slaves or enslaved and now they want to take that out you know they want to change the, uh, the narrative or they want to change the story okay but it says Greenwood Avenue featured luxury shops, restaurants, movie theaters, a library, pool halls, and nightclubs. Before the Tulsa Race Massacre, where the city's black district of Greenwood was attacked by a white mob, resulting in two days of bloodshed and destruction, kind of like what's going on now, you know, in a sense, you know, with the uh, George Floyd uh, murder, the cop. The area had been considered one of the most affluent African-American communities in the United States for the early part of the 20th century. The massacre, which began on May 31, 1921, and left hundreds of black residents dead and a thousand houses destroyed, often overshadowed the history of the vulnerable black enclave itself. See, that's the difference between uh, the riots in Minnesota. You know, this... um, this massacre in uh, Tulsa was started over a lie. You know, a black man, you know, a typical uh, story that they use. A black man raped a uh, white woman. So the white lynch mob came and destroyed and they were shooting black people. Uh, terrorism in our own country or corporation, whatever you want to call America. Okay. Greenwood District with a population of 10,000 at the time had thrived as an epicenter of the African-American business and culture, particularly on bustling Greenwood Avenue, commonly known as Black Wall Street. Okay, so this area was developed on Indian territory. Uh, Founded in 1906, Greenwood was developed on uh, Indian territory, the vast area where Native American tribes had been forced to relocate, which encompasses much of the modern-day eastern Oklahoma, some African-Americans who had been former slaves of the tribes and subsequently integrated into the tribal communities acquired allotted land in Greenwood through the Dawes Act, a U.S. law that gave land to individual Native Americans. And many black sharecroppers fleeing racial oppression relocated to the region as well in search of a better life post-Civil War. Oklahoma begins to be promoted as a safe haven for African-Americans who start to come particularly post-emancipation to the Indian Territory, says Michelle Place, executive director of the Tulsa Historical Society and Museum. The largest number of black townships after the Civil War were located in Oklahoma. Between 1865 and 1920, African-Americans founded more than 50 black townships in that state. It's quite amazing. O.W. Gurley, a wealthy black landowner, purchased 40 acres of land in Tulsa, naming it Greenwood after a town in Mississippi. Okay, built for black people by black people. 
kind of like FUBU in the 90s or like FUBU in the 90s. For us and by us makes sense, right? You can't be discriminated by your own black people if you have a love of self, a knowledge of self. So Gurley is credited with having the first black business in Greenwood in 1906, says Hannibal Johnson, author of Black Wall Street, from a ride to Renaissance in Tulsa's historic Greenwood district. He had a vision to create something for black people, by black people, FUBU, for us, by us. Makes sense. Gurley started to, excuse me, Gurley started with a boarding house for African Americans, then began to spread about opportunities for blacks in Greenwood in a flock to the district. O.W. Gurley would actually loan money, or actually loan money, excuse me, to the people who wanted to start a business. Since Christy Williams, vice chair of the African American Affairs Commission in Tulsa, they actually had a system where someone wanted to own a business and they could get help in doing that. Other prominent black entrepreneurs followed suit. J.B. Stratford, born into slavery in Kentucky, later became a lawyer and activist, moved to Greenwood in 1898. He built a 55-room luxury hotel bearing his name, the largest black-owned hotel in the country. An outspoken businessman, Stratford believed blacks had a better chance this is the hook, line, and sinker of economic process if they pool their resources, which means if you pool your money together, keep it in the community. Just like in the movie Menace to Society, when Ferris said, you know, we got to stick together. We got to have black-owned businesses. You know, we got to keep that black dollar circulating, creating jobs. Okay. Greenwood becomes self-contained and reliant. A.J. Smitherman, a publisher whose family moved to Indian Territory in the 1890s, founded the Tulsa Star, a black newspaper headquartered in Greenwood that became an instrumental in establishing the district's socially conscious mindset. The newspaper regularly informed African Americans about their legal rights and any court rulings or legislation that were beneficial or harmful to their community. Demands for equal rights were an ongoing mission for blacks in Tulsa despite Jim Crow oppression. Greenwood itself had a railway track running through it that separated the black and white populations. Gurley and Stratford's vision of having a self-contained and self-reliant black economy came not excuse me, came to be not only by desire, but by logistics. As a uh, practical matter, they had no choice as to where to locate their businesses. St. Johnson, Tulsa was regularly segregated and Oklahoma became increasingly racist after statehood. On Greenwood Avenue, there were luxury shops, restaurants, grocery stores, hotels, jewelry, and clothing stores, movie theaters, barbershops and salons, a library, pool halls, nightclubs, offices for doctors, lawyers, and dentists. Greenwood also had its own school system, post office, a savings and loan bank, hospital, and bus and a taxi service. That's quite amazing. Greenwood was a home to far less affluent African Americans as well. Significant numbers still worked in the mental jobs such as janitors, dishwashers, porters, and domestics. The money they earned outside of Greenwood was spent within the district. Makes sense. You spend 
on your own community, like the Jews or the Spaniards or the Chinese. You keep the money going to support and help your people. It is said with Greenwood, every dollar would change hands 19 times before it left the community said place. A time of racial violence, kind of like today, was like today, what's going on with those riots in uh, Minnesota over uh, George Floyd, you know, after his uh, death from the knee of the uh, racist heathen uh, cop. You know, they're tearing up the city, but if people knew history, or they taught history, you know, to the masses, you know, they would teach this specific story of how blacks had their own economic uh, stained city, but yet racist white uh, lynching mob people destroyed the city uh, based on a lie, talking about a black man raped uh, a white woman, you know, typical story, right? It wasn't long before the affluent African-Americans attracted attention of local white residents who resented the upscale lifestyle of people they deemed to be an inferior race. I think the word jealousy is certainly appropriate during this time sets place. If you have particularly poor whites who are looking at the prosperous, excuse me, a prosperous community who have large homes, fine furniture, crystals, china, linens, etc., the reaction is they don't deserve that. Jealousy, envy, you know. And then you had the Ku Klux Klan. Blacks in Greenwood feared racial violence and removal of their voting rights. See, blacks, we ain't biting like that. You know, we're being provoked by these racist ideology groups and a government that hated us and people. Okay. So, um, blacks in Greenwood feared the racial violence and removal of their voting rights. The Oklahoma Supreme Court for years routinely upheld the state's restrictions on voting access for African Americans. Hell, you couldn't even in the South. Uh, blacks were, it was illegal for Negroes to, um, to read and write. So tell me what kind of, uh, what kind of country does that to its own, well, we weren't considered citizens, we were considered slaves. So this country, it's history, it's it's garbage, you know, but no one wants to talk about that. Make America great again. It never was great. Never was, never will be. The only thing that was great about America is the fact that so-called blacks was living in this country for so many decades, centuries. That's what made America great. It's people, the good people, not America itself for what it stood for because it was just a utopia for white folks not blacks that's what they won't say either okay so the um, the Oklahoma Supreme Court for years routinely upheld state restrictions on voting access for African Americans and subjecting them to poll tax and literacy tests and lynching um, proliterated across the country and particularly during the red summer of 1919 where anti-black riots erupted in major cities across the United States including Tulsa see that's what they don't want right now they don't want to uproar with all these other cities so they better stop all this senseless killing of innocent black men and women and children and this is what they're gonna get okay 
In response, the Tulsa Star encouraged blacks to take up arms and show up at the courthouses and jails to make sure blacks who were on trial were not taken and killed by white lynch mobs. You know, so it's important for blacks to be armed. Not the, um, you know, that's the problem. They don't want blacks armed. You know, they think we're gonna be violent and and cause a ruckus. But hey, we're different. We're not going up there shooting schools and doing idiotic stuff like certain white folks are doing. You know, accusations of sexual assault unites riots. But the heightened racial animosity in Tulsa erupted in 1921 when 19-year-old Dick Rowland, a black shoe shiner, was accused of attempted sexual assault of a 17-year-old white elevator operator named Sarah Page. When an angry white mob went to the courthouse to demand the sheriff hand over Rowland, the sheriff refused. A group of about 25 armed black men, including many World War I veterans, then went to the courthouse to offer help guarding Rowland. As a word of a possible lynching spread, a group of about 75 armed blacks returned to the courthouse where they, where they were met by um, 1,500 whites. After clashes between the groups, the black men retreated to Greenwood. Mobs of armed white men then descended on Greenwood, looting homes, burning down businesses, and shooting blacks dead on the spot. Now that's homegrown terrorism right there, okay, which they don't want to talk about, you know, kind of like what's going on right now, they're looting, they're burning down businesses, but they're not shooting blacks dead on the spot, you know, that's the difference, you know, with millions in property damage and no help from the city, the rebuilding of Greenwood began almost immediately, thanks to the assistance of the NAACP, other black townships in Oklahoma, donations from black churches in the resilient Greenwood community. However, some businesses like the Tulsa newspaper were permanently shuttered in the wake of the violence. The Greenwood district still exists today, but after decades of urban renewal and integration, the area's demographics and businesses resemble little of its uh, storied past. What a tragedy. Sad. You know, that this town was amazing and flourished and and let's you know African Americans know that hey on your own you can succeed and you can have what these other nations have even better you know like the scripture says we're the salt of the earth you know and they took that away from us because of their hatred like the scripture says the heathens hate us and oppress us so, you know, I just thought I would uh, read that article because it was uh, very interesting what's going on right now with Minnesota and the, um, the riots that are going on. But um, peace and shalom.